You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Heather, a.k.a. the Chocolate Lady, the rest of that outstanding staff, they've got the they got the goods, man. They got the treats ready for you as we anticipate another big football weekend. Be sure to get by there. Get yourself stocked up, ready to go for a fun football weekend. Joined on the program, as always, by executive producer Joe Gaither, who together we combine to form the 60-minute man. Woo! Of Sports Talk Radio. Hey, Joe Gaither, you fired up for this Broncos-Jets game tonight. Oh, Travis, couldn't, could, couldn't be more fired up to watch Adam Gase take on a backup quarterback? Yes, give me all of that. No Drew Locke. No Drew Locke for Jerry Judy. And our Denver Broncos, Cream Jackson, safety there, former Alabama defensive back. What a nice NFL career for Kareem Jackson, by the way. If you recall... Kareem decided to depart from Alabama after his junior campaign in 2009. That was met with a little bit of ire from his head coach. Nick Saban wasn't really happy about that decision by Kareem Jackson. But lo and behold, Kareem Jackson ends up going in the first round of the 2010 National Football League draft. And here he is. Decade plus now in the National Football League for Kareem Jackson. But yeah, Broncos Jets tonight, baby. Woo! Get the DVR ready. Is there a college that game that's going to be better than that? I don't think there is a college game tonight. I, I didn't see one in the television listings. Oh, NBA uh, playoffs game two? No game two? Yeah. Uh, you got NBA playoffs uh, game two tomorrow night. Okay, so I guess we're doing baseball playoffs instead. Tonight. Yeah, man, there, there's like five Major League Baseball playoff games today, including our Atlanta Braves coming up in about five minutes over there at Truist Park in Cumberland, Georgia. That's Cumberland, Georgia, if you were wondering, by the way, where that venue is located. Boy, the Braves, they had to have that one yesterday. How about a 13-inning game to get a series going? We told you. We sort of previewed it right off the top yesterday. That pitching matchup was out of this world. Trevor Bauer just dealing for the Reds. Seven and two-thirds. Gives up just two hits, no walks, 12 strikeouts. And did Trevor Bauer give the tomahawk chop to the Braves' dugout? I think he might have. I think he might have. Max Reed was pretty good, too, though, for the Braves. Uh, the Braves get it done in 13. Freddie Freeman with the walk-off single there in the 13th. And the Braves, despite putting together just six hits compared to 21 strikeouts, get the win one to nothing. Three different Braves yesterday with three or more strikeouts. Azuna, Swanson, and Adam Duvall with the golden sombrero. He had four. So today you get Lewis... Luis Castillo, excuse me, for the Reds, 4-6, 3.21 ERA. 
Ian Anderson for the Braves, 3-2, and 1.95 ERA. Now, if the Reds win today, you'll have a game three tomorrow, 208 Central, if necessary. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. By the way, we got so much college football to get into for the upcoming weekend. Got some big high school football around here as well, man. We talked about it. Hillcrest and Northridge tomorrow night out there on the mean streets of Northeast Tuscaloosa. Doesn't get much tougher than uh, Northridge Road, right? New Watermelon Road. Uh, it just doesn't get much tougher than out there. But our Northridge Jags at 6-0, and huge region matchup with the Patriots of Hillcrest coming over across town. Coming up 69. Going to venture out there to Northridge. And Joe Gaither, best I could tell, not a lot of uh, games in town tomorrow night, right? It looks like Hillcrest and Northridge pretty much going to have the city to themselves almost, it looks like, based on the schedule. That is definitely the game of the week. We have five games we're going to be attending. We're going to Holt and ACA. It's going to be a big blowout, I I imagine. Uh, McAdory's playing at Brookwood. Tuscaloosa Academy is hosting a game. Uh, okay. Oh, goodness gracious. There's one more that I'm missing off the. Oh, Tuscaloosa County is hosting Gadsden City. But yes, out of all of those, Holt, or Hill, Hillcrest and Northridge certainly stands out, and we'll have a small army out there for that game. There you go. A small army out there for Northridge and Hillcrest tomorrow night. That ought to be a lot of fun. Um, but certainly from the college football perspective, obviously Texas A&M here on Saturday, 2 30 kickoff on CBS. The Alabama Crimson Tide home opener. Something we'll do during the program to do it today as well. We'll take you on our weekly tour of ticket prices around the Southeastern Conference on the secondary market. Because it's interesting. With the COVID restrictions and the limited capacities, what are tickets going for on the secondary market? As you might expect, Alban in Georgia. That's the big ticket of the weekend over there at Sanford Stadium in Athens. But we'll go in-depth on that a little bit. We'll also check in with our pal Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com. Chris with an interesting piece just this morning in relation to Kellen Mond. Essentially in his fourth year as a starter, three and a half years, I guess you could say. One of his very first starts, as I recall, was 2017 against Alabama there in College Station. Uh, This will be his fourth career start against the Crimson Tide, something you just don't see in today's college football all that often, right? And the third year of this marriage between Kellen Mond and Jimbo Fisher, is it on the verge of divorce with these two? We'll ask Chris Hummer about that. Is this the potential getting off point for Jimbo Fisher with Kellen Mond coming off a performance against Vanderbilt last week in which Mond lost two fumbles, fumbled another time. And once again, as we've talked about a ton here on the program, explosive plays in the passing game, not all entirely on Kellen Mond, but he is the common denominator. Whether you talk about 2017, 18, 19, this season, you know, some playmakers have come and gone and for whatever reason, A&M has really struggled to get to a dynamic level in the passing game. I think some of that's on Jimbo, too. I think schematically Jimbo believes in some things that you know makes it a little difficult to, to produce those kind of plays. I don't think Jimbo Fisher has evolved, I guess is what I'm saying, as an offensive sort of guru as much as you would have thought he would. I think Jimbo is based in what he truly believes in, which is a lot of traditional formations and personnel groupings. And a lot of that involves a couple tight ends on the field. That's fine. But, I mean, you're seeing even guys like Jim Harbaugh having to come around a little bit. Just look at LSU. Until LSU got out of the phone booth, they were going to be stuck in that 9-2 and sort of neighborhood. They got out of the phone booth with Joe Brady last year, and what they do, they go 15-0. and And it pains me to say that in a lot of ways because I'm run the damn ball guy at my heart, okay? 
I'm that guy too. But uh, we'll talk with Chris coming up here in just a little bit. We've got home dogs with potential teeth that we need to get into. We got Rusty's picks. Yeah. Rusty trying to rebound from that one and three. Rusty had some tough luck, man. Kirby kicked that late field goal on Rusty out in Arkansas. That hurt Rusty. He was getting Arkansas plus the 26 at home. Kirby kicks that 38-yarder with just a couple of minutes to go, uh, and 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 Rusty takes the L there. Uh, he had South Carolina plus the three and a half, and and uh, Tennessee wins by four there at williams Bryce Stadium. So a couple of tough losses, including one with a rusty hook for Rusty. But this week he's given you BC plus the 13 and a half in Chestnut Hill with North Carolina coming to town. Rusty likes West Virginia getting three at home with Baylor making the trip up to Morgantown. He is on SMU in Dallas getting two and a half with the Memphis Tigers coming over. Memphis has been on a little bit of a hiatus related to that COVID-19, huh? And then Vanderbilt coming off its latest moral victory, moral win, moral loss, whatever it's called. Vandy plus 20 and a half at home against LSU. Those are Rusty's home underdogs with teeth selections for the upcoming week. 205-342-9904. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now and check in with Corey over in Trustville. Corey, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Travis. How about you? I'm hanging in there, man. I have a couple of questions for you. Alabama softball started their practice a couple of days ago. Um, what is your feel on how you think this the season, how do you think they'll do this upcoming season? With I understand Skylar Wallace won't be playing this year. Um, do you think Alabama will be able to absorb the loss of Skylar Wallace? And what is your take on this upcoming season this year? Yeah, you know, that was interesting with the news that she had uh, apparently entered the transfer portal. That's a huge blow, man. I mean, you're talking about a world-class player. You're not talking about an all-conference player, which, you know, that that's, that's a tough player to replace when you lose those. You're talking about a potential national team member and has played on the national and, and uh, you know, international levels. Um, but here's the thing. It's still fast pitch softball. And as you know, also, well, if you're good in the circle, you can cover for a lot of things. And when you look at this pitching depth that Murph's going to continue to have with everyone back from the COVID-19 shortened 2020 season, they're going to be fine. Again, Wallace hurts mostly because of what she could do offensively you know, as anything else. I thought she, in trying to make that transition to shortstop, you know, this past season, uh, because of the injury that you had there with Claire Jenkins, uh, that was a work in progress is, is the best way I would describe it. Um, but anytime, you know, any, but, but, but still a really capable middle infielder. So anytime you lose someone in softball right up the middle, whether it's a catcher, a dominant pitcher, second short type situation, your center fielder, uh, you know, similar to baseball that hurts. So, um, I'm not exactly sure how Murph's going to go about dealing with that. But again, I still think he's going to have plenty to be, you know, a top five type team for 2021. As far as the A&M game goes, um, are you confident we'll be able to stop killing Bond with him throwing and running? Cause he's been, He's gashed us quite a few times on the ground, wouldn't you agree? 188 rushing yards in the last two meetings with Alabama. And before sacks were taken out in each of those games, he was over 100 yards. So, you know, given the inconsistency that you've seen from Kellen Mond over the last four years into this year, counting as the fourth, yeah, I think as much as anything, you got to account for his legs. I think that's where – a healthy Dylan Moses certainly helps. Uh, you know, a, 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 an emerging star in Christian Harris definitely helps. And then having a newcomer like Will Anderson at the Jack linebacker position. You know, I'm not ready to say that, you know, by any means Alabama has upgraded at outside linebacker because 
I'm an Anthony Jennings fan and always will be. And Terrell Lewis certainly brought a lot to that mix. But you didn't get the feeling in the opener, at least, that Alabama had taken a step back at all. So I think those three guys on Saturday, you know, give Alabama a really good shot of not totally taking away the run from Kellen Mond, but I don't see him being at that 90-yard mark once again for a third straight meeting with Alabama. You know, Devontae Smith only needs nine more touchdowns to break the receiving touchdown record Amari Cooper set. Do you think he'll have a chance to break that as season goes on, or do you think teams are just going to start double-teaming him most of the time? Kind of like in baseball or softball, if if a player is going for a home run record, they're just going to walk that person to prevent that from happening. Do you think Do you think uh, teams will just start double covering him, or do you think? Uh, well, I mean, you can team? double cover him, but then what are you going to do with Jalen Waddle? You know, it's well, a true, but situation. You, know, you, you want to see a, t- a player with a chance to break a record if it's in reach. But sure, do you think do you think Smith will get a get opportunity to, to get it get it as the season goes on? Well, you know, what makes it tough is you've lost some games. You know, you got a 10-game regular season. You're looking at a max, I guess, of 13 games if you make it to the SEC championship and and also both games of the college football playoffs. So, you know, that's what it could come down to as much as anything, Corey, not having a couple extra games. And I think it'll be close. I think he's definitely capable of getting there. I think as much as anything, he needs, he needs Jalen Waddell to do what he did last week against Missouri because if Jalen Waddle's doing that, that tells you you can't send a lot of extra help towards Devontae Smith. And as an extension of that, I'll say John Mechie too. You know, John Mechie may be the biggest benefactor of all this because if defenses are going to continue to load up and roll coverages towards Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, uh, John Mechie's going to have a chance to have a yards per catch average somewhere in the neighborhood of what we saw at Missouri, which was, what, 20, 21 yards per catch? It was just two catches. But, you know, down the field, John Mechie's going to have some opportunities himself. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, if we can find a third and fourth receiver to take some load off of uh, Jalen and Devontae, it'll it'll create even more opportunities for the I mean, plus tight ends involved to be good as well. I mean, if Carl Tucker, Major Tennyson, Miller, Forrest, all those guys can get involved too, it'll make this offense even more lethal. Plus, you factor in Najee Harris coming out of the backfield and, and him running the football too. So this offense is loaded. It's just, I would just make the point that if records have a chance to fall, we, all, we as fans always love to see that happen. Sure. No doubt about it. And uh, you'd love to see Devontae stick around for his senior year and be rewarded for that. And that would that would be the case, too, with Najee Harris, perhaps, becoming the all-time leading rusher at Alabama. That's within his grasp. So you got a couple of guys with some, some pretty major milestones out there in front of them. Hey, Corey, as always, we appreciate the call. Good talk to you, Travis. Roll tight. There he goes, Corey from Trustville, checking in with us. On a Thursday morning, the thing about this Alabama offense, you know, it's not built in a way in which it needs guys to achieve those career marks to be successful. You know, 2014 Alabama needed Amari Cooper to have that historic season that he had if 2014 Alabama was going to win an SEC championship like it did and advance to the first-ever college football playoff like it did. This Alabama offense doesn't necessarily require that. You're still going to have Jalen Waddell to go with Devontae Smith. You saw the impact that has on a defense just last week. You know, Corey mentioned the tight ends. Alabama late in the first quarter of that game last Saturday Hits a third down on a crossing route. Missouri thinks, well, there's under 20 seconds left in the quarter. Alabama's just going to take it to the quarter. Instead, Sark goes with some tempo. Alabama gets up to the line of scrimmage, goes three wide receivers to the field. And, of course, anytime Alabama does that with Waddle and Smith to the same side out there, that's where the focus has got to be. It's got to be out there. 
And so you line up Miller Forstall into the boundary in line at tight end. And what does Mac Jones do on the snap? Looks to the field, to those three wide receivers, gives a little shoulder shimmy, a la Tom Brady, comes back to the boundary, and he's got Miller Forrestall wide open on a corner route for 34 yards. That's how this Alabama offense can hurt you in so many different ways. We're going to step aside to our first break. When we come back, Chris Hummer, national college football writer for 247sports.com. He'll join us right here on the program presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right after this. If you're from the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by SunSouth John Deere, the preferred tractor equipment for Alabama athletics. Visit sunsouth.com or any of their 21 locations across the southeast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama running back Najee Harris scored three touchdowns in Saturday's victory at Mizzou. Earlier this week, he assessed Alabama's performance on the ground. The running game, like as as a whole, I'm saying like there was a lot of, of goods and bads we worked on. Me personally too, um, the O line too. It was a lot of Mizzou was a good a good defense. So uh, like they run a lot of twists, a lot of games and stuff like that. They run over the top with their linebackers and their safeties. You know what I'm saying they run their safeties play the run a lot. Um, so just us picking up us the O line picking up the games and the twists and the, and the cross dogs and all that stuff. Like it was a, it was it was it was hard at first too because uh, that was the first game too playing a long time. I'll have more in a moment. Have you priced a new John Deere tractor lately? SunSouth John Deere has a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. SunSouth John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone, from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any project, SunSouth has you covered. Proud to be the preferred tractor equipment dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us tonight for Hey Coach and the Nick Saban Show on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Eli Gold hosts starting at 6.30 p.m. Central across the network, and he'll be joined by Coach Saban and cover the latest on Alabama athletics. If you cannot listen at 6.30, the show will be archived on our Alabama Insider Podcast, available on all podcast platforms. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Sun South John Deere. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports a beautiful day today with a sunny sky this afternoon, the high at 79. Clear and cooler tonight, the low in the upper 40s at 49. And we stay dry tomorrow and Saturday. Sunshine in full supply both days. Highs ranging from 71 to 74. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Houston Hydrosteam, home of the Houston Rug Revival. Give them a call right now, 205-553-9460. Jackie and the rest of his crew, outstanding folks, Dependable folks, locally owned, locally operated, Houston Hydrosteam. They can take care of the rugs. They can take care of the carpet. They can take care of all your flooring, your grout, your upholstery, uh, your window treatments, wall-to-wall, floor-to-ceiling, Houston Hydrosteam. The call for you at 205-553-9460, Houston Hydrosteam, quality work. You can stand on. Let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line once again on this Thursday edition of the program. Check in with our good pal, the professorial one, Chris Summer, does an outstanding job for 247sports.com 
as the website's national college football writer. And uh, Chris, you ready for another weekend of SEC football? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a heck of a first weekend. Uh, I had to turn away from my native Big 12 kind of action to watch a lot of the SEC, and it, it didn't disappoint. Everything from Mississippi State and Mike Leach to a really entertaining early game between Ole Miss and Florida, it was a lot of fun. Uh, even Vanderbilt managed to make things interesting on Saturday. So um, it was it was great to have the SEC back in my life. And after a taste, uh, we move on to the next course. And we get a couple of big ones, a couple of top 15 matchups this weekend, Auburn and Georgia, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Those two first got together in 1892 to play a little football. That goes back a ways. And, of course, right here in Tuscaloosa, the Texas A&M Aggies pay a visit to the Crimson Tide. Um, you wrote about it this morning. I know you were on the – the uh, you guys were on the SEC uh, coaches teleconference yesterday, and – um, you know, uh, Jimbo was asked point blank about the situation involving Kellen Mond three years into this relationship between himself and, and Mond and Mond and essentially his fourth year as a starter, uh, after the performance sluggish is a nice way to describe it. I would say last Saturday night against Vanderbilt, uh, are we, are we at a tipping point, Chris, when it comes to Kellen Mond and, what Jimbo Fisher might consider next at the quarterback position there at A&M. Yeah, I mean, I think we might be. Um, historically, Jimbo Fisher is exceedingly patient. I mean, I think it, he's a pretty conservative play caller in a lot of ways, and I think that lends itself to roster decisions. He's exceedingly patient with quarterbacks. And I think he's been a head coach for something like 15 or so years so far. And I think I can only think of two situations offhand where he was pulling quarterbacks um, at any point. And I I don't know if we're at that point yet, but I think if you're if you're looking at the schedule and looking at what A and M has the next three weeks, which is Alabama, Florida, and Mississippi State, if Texas A and M struggles in that stretch, I think it's an opportunity for Jimbo to kind of play the get out of jail free card and look at one of his two young freshman quarterbacks. Who I think if you talk to anybody in College Station, uh, they're looking at those guys as the future and want to move off Kellen Mond if it doesn't kind of get going. And this has kind of been a love-hate relationship between the Aggie fan base and Kellen Mond throughout. I've I've written about Kellen and kind of the Aggie fan base before, and I think Kellen's better than a lot of people have given him credit for, and a has certainly had some issues personnel-wise throughout Mond's tenure. But I just I think at a certain point, like you have to either perform at quarterback or you're going to have you're going to lose your job and I don't think Kellen has ever, except for maybe a couple games, elevated A&M the way he needs to. And I think you put your job at risk when that's the case. And Jimbo isn't exactly saying no when asked if he could look at other quarterbacks later on. And I think that's an indictment on where we kind of sit with that. I've tried to be fair with Kellen Mon in my criticism of him and sort of noting even right now, when you look at the people around him, with Jamon Osbin opting out. Uh, it's a difficult situation. And a passing game, when you just talk about yards per attempt, the potential for explosive plays, it just hasn't been there with Kellen Mond in terms of throwing the football. Um, that said, I guess if you think Kellen Mond really is that guy, where's the elevation of players around him? Shouldn't he be at a point, I guess, Chris, where – He's making guys around him better. I think I think as a senior quarterback, uh, the most experienced starting quarterback in the country, um, period, um, and a soon-to-be Texas A&M record setter, he's going to shatter records over the next three. He's going to break almost every career passing record over the next three to four games. Like You're expecting that guy to win some games for you and to make the people around you better, I think. That's the expectation anytime you have a senior quarterback. These guys at that point aren't supposed to be game managers. They're supposed to be masters of the offense. We saw, we even saw like Kyle Trask take that step on Saturday. He played the best game of his career by far against Ole Miss. Admittedly, a defense that has some issues. But he looks like a guy that can elevate an offense. And Kellen Mullen, a guy who's been through more battles than anybody in the country at quarterback, just hasn't shown the ability to consistently do that. 
And I think what you're saying about his yards for attempts, that is a salient one. And I think part of the problem is like Kellen struggles to often deliver accurate, catchable balls that you can kind of take off and run with. Jimbo's always had that kind of West Coast system that's reliant on shorter passing uh, plays and let his receivers make plays kind of in the open field afterwards. Um, and while Kellen has been okay in that system throughout, I just I don't think he's ever had a significant mastery of it. And I think if you put all those things together, he's just a guy who is not doing what you'd expect from your senior quarterback. How much do you put on uh, put this on Jimbo though? And you said it. He's he's committed to his way of offensive football. Do you think Jimbo has adapted what he believes in enough to maybe best fit Kellen Mond? Because we've talked about this before. You know, if I'm coaching Kellen Mond and he's my guy in my offense, I probably got to have somewhere between 12 to 15 design runs for him a game. And that's not Jimbo, is it? Nope. And I think I think that's a great point, and it certainly a lot of this falls on Jimbo. He's he's a system guy through and through. That's what he's been throughout his career, and that system at some points in his career with the right quarterbacks and the right players has been really really successful. He's a national championship winner for a reason. But when you have a guy like Kellen Mond, as you said, a guy who is really dynamic when you kind of take when you kind of take the governor off of him and let him kind of be an athlete in space at times like he can change a game for you and just that doesn't happen often enough under Jimbo Fisher's system and I, I know some people around that program and even some people around Kellen have been frustrated with kind of that strategy from Jimbo over the years and he's just not moving off of it he's expecting Kellen to move with him and I think as a coach the best the best coaches are adaptable I actually I remember vividly um, after the 2017 national championship game, I talked to Jimbo Fisher off to the side for a couple minutes about Nick Saban making the switch to Tua Tonga at halftime and him going in depth on how adaptable Nick Saban's been throughout his career and how that's a credit to Nick Saban. And Jimbo was talking about coaches needing to have the ability to do that. And I just think for better or for worse, Jimbo actually hasn't shown that ability in himself um, in recent years. And I think as offenses have moved away from kind of this West coast pro style style that Jimbo operates, we haven't seen Jimbo make that adaptability necessary. So I certainly think a lot of the blame in that area lays on Jimbo's feet. And I think it's going to have to take a combination of the two, uh, Callan getting a little bit better and Jimbo kind of bending a little bit more for this to really, this marriage to work. So let's talk some SEC waiver news here in the last 24 hours or so, Chris. Who was the bigger winner, in your opinion, here with Kentucky getting clearance for Joey Gatewood, the Auburn transfer at the quarterback position, Terry Wilson coming off the injury last week, uh, had his moments, had some ups and downs in that loss to the Tigers down on the Plains, or is it Tennessee with Cade Mays? getting clearance the Georgia transfer and really an opportunity now to take that offensive line which was already considered to be one of the very best in the SEC and in college football for that matter I guess to another level bigger biggest winner of those two in your opinion normally normally I would say the quarterback but I don't know if Mark Stoops is going to go that direction immediately, even if he does it by midseason, like, and kind of gets Joey Gatewood some reps looking forward. Like, I don't think Joey Gatewood is going to change the course of this season uh, for Kentucky in any significant form. I think Cade Mays has the potential to have a pretty significant impact for Tennessee along the offensive line, which, as you said, is certainly one of the best in the SEC, if not college football as a whole. Um, the kind of pieces they have. They'll have five, three five stars on that line now are just elite. And when you got a guy like Jared Garantano, who is who is a solid quarterback in the SEC, I think you need all of the pieces along the offensive line that you can get to make the run game as dynamic as possible. And with the defense Tennessee has, like Tennessee has an outside shot, in my opinion, of Cade Mays is playing of at least making it interesting with Georgia and Florida. I don't think Tennessee is quite to that level yet. I think they've got another year or two recruiting to get there. But Tennessee is a lot more dangerous than they would have been with Cade Mays in the lineup than otherwise. And um, while I, I think Joey Gatewood has the potential to be really good, um, former top 50 prospect, he's a guy with a lot of upside for sure, and I think he's going to be really good at Kentucky. 
uh, down the line. I just I think Cade Mays has a bigger short term impact, in, in my, at least in my mind. And we get Tennessee going to Georgia a week from Saturday, I believe. That should be fun. That should be a lot of fun. Hey, uh, Chris, Oklahoma loses to Kansas State for the second straight season. Texas needed every bit of whatever it has to get past Texas Tech on the road there in Lubbock last weekend. Has the Big 12 already checked out of the college football playoff race, or is it still a little too early to maybe throw that first that first shovel of dirt on the Big 12 in terms of its CFP hopes? I mean, you know those like self-checkout lines at the store? Like The Big 12 is trying, <laughs> they're trying, but they're having to call kind of the employee over once or twice because they're not scanning items correctly. And they're kind of, they're kind of saving themselves a little bit uh, by doing so. Um, the big conference has looked awful so far. T- or Texas, which has no business being 2-0 after that Texas Tech game, is 2-0. And Oklahoma State is 2-0, which almost lost to Tulsa to kind of open the season. So that, that shows where the conference is at. But I just think the nature of the season means the Big 12 isn't out of it yet. Um, I think barring an absolutely dominant performance by USC and Oregon to go 7-0 and and just look fantastic doing it, there's no way the Pac-12 is getting in the playoff race, which means there's four Power 5 conferences essentially competing for four spots. I could really easily see a scenario in which another SEC team grabs that uh, second spot or maybe even a Notre Dame grabs that spot. But if you're just looking at the math right now, the big 12 champion has as good a shot as anybody to kind of nab that position as long as they have two or fewer losses. And I think a two loss team is probably going to get in the playoff this year, just based on the way uh, this season is shaping up. So they're not totally out of it. I just, I could not tell you what team is going to emerge from that pack right now. Cause I don't think any team in the big 12 um, is good enough to be in the playoff at this point, but it's early in the year and teams can get better. So I think we'll just kind of have to wait and see on that one. As we let you go here, Chris, and we're talking with Chris Umber, national college football writer for 247sports.com. Overreaction from the opening weekend of SEC play that is most likely to hold up over the course of time. LSU losing four or more games or Mississippi State quarterback KJ Costello going to New York as a Heisman finalist. Which of those two do you think has the greater shelf life? Man, I, I love this question. And I honestly, like, I really think both of them have a pretty good shelf life. If you look at LSU's remaining schedule, they have to go to Florida, they have to go to Auburn, they host Alabama, and they go to Texas A&M. I have a hard time seeing the team we saw on Saturday winning more than one of four of those games. So that puts LSU at six and four. Um, maybe they win one and maybe LSU gets significantly better. Maybe Miles Bennett takes a step and maybe Bo Pelini earns his $2.3 million salary. But like that team looked awful on Saturday. And I, I would project us LSU to go six and four at this point. Like I think seven and three is the ceiling. Uh, they're not going to get any better than that. And if KJ Costello, I, I don't think he's going to be a Heisman finalist. I think Mississippi State's probably going to end up six and four, five and five at the end of this. Like the schedule in the SEC is that tough. But if he ends up throwing for five thousand yards and does so in the <laughs> SEC, and Mike Leach passers have thrown for five thousand yards pretty easily in the past, like he could finally be that Heisman finalist um, for Mike Leach, a quarterback. He's that dynamic of a passer, and if you put up those kind of numbers in that conference. I think voters recognize that. And I'm trying to think. I think Graham Harrell might have been a Heisman finalist along with Michael Crabtree. They maybe they finished fourth and fifth overall. But I think he's the only Mike Leach passer ever to do so. And I think being where he is and playing in the conference he's playing in, I think K.J. Costello has that shot this year for sure. Always great stuff with Chris Hummer of 247sports.com. If you haven't already, give Chris a follow on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer, H-U-M, M-E-R. Hey, enjoy the games this weekend, Chris. And as always, we appreciate you joining us here on the show. Yeah, for sure. Look forward to hearing your thoughts on Kellen Mond uh, following the weekend. Oh, geez. Here we go. We'll see. (laughs) A big to-be-determined TBD coming up for that one on Saturday. Take care, Chris. Thanks. Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com. Going to head to a break. We come back. 
We'll check in with the SEC ticket man. What's that looking like around the Southeastern Conference for the upcoming weekend? That and more when SFS on a Thursday returns right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back with more of a Thursday edition of Southern Pride Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Thanks again to Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer for 247sports.com, joining the program, which is brought to you in part by Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning, 205-886-3616. Man, you don't want to be headed into the weekend with a nasty house or maybe your office is in need of work. Make the call right now to Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning, 205-886-3616. Yashika Barnes, the CEO there at Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning. Great, great person. Her company does great, great work. Over 20 years of quality cleaning experience. That's what you're getting with Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning, 205-886-3616. Not all that fired up about the NFL game tonight. Got to be honest. Jets, Broncos. Now, from the Alabama perspective, as we said earlier, you're going to see Jerry Judy. You're going to see, I guess, Cream Jackson. I haven't checked injury reports. They're ever-changing in the National Football League. Just ask the Tennessee Titans, right? Um, And then the Jets, no C.J. Mosley. He opted out this season at linebacker. But Quentin Williams, of course, the defensive lineman. So there you go. A couple of of ties to the Crimson Tide on Thursday night NFL football. By the way, pretty good Thursday. Payday came a day early for Marlon Humphrey, didn't it? Former Alabama corner. All pro now in the National Football League for the Baltimore Ravens. How about that extension Marlowe signed this morning? Was it five years, 98 mil for Marlon Humphrey? Marlon's going to get a Crimson Standard call from that University of Alabama Athletic Department, you think? Hey, Marlowe, congrats on the new deal, my guy. Yeah, that's probably coming. But Marlon Humphrey, man. Off to a great start to his professional career and uh, going ahead and getting that second contract a little bit early. That's never a bad thing. Always trying to get that big second deal in the NFL, which doing it now really opens up the possibility for a third big deal for Marlon Humphrey at some point down the road. As we told you, we were going to get into some SEC ticket man talk on this segment. Did a little checking around the secondary market this morning. StubHub, specifically, is where I did the research. And again, basing these prices on two tickets and with the fees included. Got to include those pesky fees at some of these uh, brokerage sites. Alabama, Texas A&M, as of this morning, based on a pair of tickets, you were looking at $98 total per ticket. That's Is that about what you would pay with a normal capacity for an Alabama-Texas A&M game? 100 total a ticket on the Thursday before the game? I didn't think that was all that bad. Now, that's going to put you in the north upper deck. These are get-in prices, cheapest get-in prices. But still, anything under 100 bucks for a capacity at 25%, not bad. Missouri, Tennessee is actually a higher get-in price than Alabama, Texas A&M. That surprised me a little bit. Tennessee fans, though, they're fired up. One seven straight, dating back to last season. Jeremy's got those folks ready to go. And so $115, $115, that's your get-in price for two 
That's each for two. For Missouri, Tennessee, South Carolina at Florida. That's an early kickoff. That's a noon Eastern kickoff for the Gators in the swamp with former Florida head coach Will Muschamp limping in with those South Carolina Gamecocks. 102, $102. That was your cheapest get in. Now, LSU Vanderbilt in Nashville, that's going to be similar to what you had last weekend down on the Plains with Auburn and Kentucky. And so you've got limited student attendance uh, in Nashville for Searity with Vanderbilt and LSU. Auburn and Georgia, as we talked about earlier in the show, no surprise to see the Tigers and the Dogs with the highest get-in price of the weekend as of this morning. And this was based on four tickets because what I saw for just pairs wasn't much in the way of pairs. I'm not sure how they're doing their distribution, uh, maybe based more on, on four than two. But based on four together, the cheapest get-in for Auburn, Georgia, was 187. Arkansas, Mississippi State, the Bulldogs riding that high from last weekend down in Baton Rouge, come home to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. $80. That's your cheapest get it get in for Scott Field, Wallace Wade. Um, Ole Miss in Kentucky up there at the grocery store stadium in the Commonwealth. Uh, $99. Cheapest get in. So Ole Miss, Kentucky, as of this morning, was a dollar more for a get-in than Alabama, Texas A&M. A little bit of a surprise there. We're going to head to our final break. We come back. We'll put a wrap on a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peterbrook Chocolates here, right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A beautiful day today with a sunny sky this afternoon, the high at 79. Clear and cooler tonight, the low in the upper 40s at 49. And we stay dry tomorrow and Saturday, sunshine in full supply both days. Highs ranging from 71 to 74. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. vocalist for one of our very favorite bands from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Better Than Ezra. I didn't realize this, but Kevin Griffin is actually a prolific songwriter in addition to his Better Than Ezra duties. He's written some ditties of note for the likes of Taylor Swift, Sugarland, Bare Naked Ladies, Made a fortune writing songs. Good for Kevin Griffin. Turns 52 years old today. It is a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peterbrook Chocolates here as we wrap things up and get you ready for another big football weekend. The Atlanta Braves at last check heading into the bottom of the second over in the Atlanta area. Uh, scoreless with the Cincinnati Reds in game two of that series. The Braves looking to wrap things up with a win today which would then advance the Bravos to Houston for the NLDS, National League Division Series. Interesting that you're seeing National League playoffs move on to American League ballparks, and you're seeing, I guess, on the other side, going to National League ballparks with the American League. The New York Yankees wrapped up that series with the Cleveland Indians last night. Now they'll go to San Diego and take on the Tampa Bay Devil Race. Different times, 2020, huh? Absolutely. Um, and so you'll want to keep up to speed with the the Brave situation as we move uh, throughout the afternoon as well. Uh, you also, coming up on Saturday, I found this interesting. This kind of came out after the show yesterday. J.D. Davison, perhaps the top point guard prospect in the entire country for the class 
of 2021 was going to announce his commitment in state star Calhoun school down around the Montgomery area. I guess that is JD Davison was going to originally announce his commitment on Halloween, October the 31st. Instead yesterday, he lets it be known that he is moving that announcement up to Saturday. So in addition to all the college football action, you're going to have a very important decision announced by J.D. Davison. Looks like Alabama or Auburn for the in-state star. Of course, Alabama just recently picked up a nice commitment from a wing over in the state of Georgia, Deshaun, Deshaun Holt, six foot six. We talked with Cecil Hurt about him yesterday. Shooter, long, finisher, you know, those kind of guys that Nate Oates loves in his program. So we'll see with J.D. Davison coming up on Saturday. That's going to be a big one. That's going to be a big one, no doubt about it. As always, it's been a lot of fun on the program. Again, can't thank Chris Summer enough for joining us here on the show. Always appreciate our guy, Joe Gaither, doing a great job producing the program. I know he's fired up for game two of those NBA finals tomorrow night, Joe Gaither. And the Miami Heat. You talk about everything just going wrong there. Up 28-18 there in the first quarter, and the Lakers go on, what was it, a 75-40 to run from that point forward? And then on top of it, you have the injuries to Dragic, Jimmy Butler tweaks an ankle, Bam Adebayo has a shoulder situation. It looks like Butler and Adebayo are going to be good to go for game two, but Dragic with plantar fasciitis, a tear of that deal? Not so sure about that. But uh, we'll get into more of that on Friday. The Lunch Whistle on a Thursday. That's going to be Heat Pizza Bar. Downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Big, big fans, as you know, of Heat Pizza Bar because, well, the pizza is just that good. And the salads are that good. And the craft cocktails, the craft beer, the drinks in general are that good. I mean, if you want a traditional pizza, just get the perfect pepperoni. It is perfect in every way. You got the house red sauce, the pepperoni, the mozzarella. There you go. Specialty pizzas include the Aloha. You're going to get the house red sauce on that, some ham, some pineapple, jalapeno, red onion, mozzarella. And then the exclusive pizzas, which includes my personal favorite, the Thai chicken pizza, which is out of this world. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Friday, Travis Ryer hoping you have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.